This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms. Welcome. It's the show about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. How are you doing today, Professor Gershon? Great, Liz, and it's uh, fantastic to be joining everyone. Really happy to have Missy Scott and Adam Kilgore on the on today. Uh, Adam has been a frequent guest. Uh, I know he's happy because his Cleveland Browns won last night, so he'll be in a good mood. And uh, uh, Adam is the general counsel of the bar and uh, clerk for the uh, Mississippi Supreme Court chief judge of Mississippi Supreme Court before he uh, joined the bar. Uh, I should say the bar organization. And then uh, Missy Scott uh, is an honors graduate of the University of Mississippi School of Law and is a deputy general counsel. And she handles a lot of issues involving lawyers. But one that I'm especially um, happy to see the bar so involved with is dealing with lawyer incapacity, you know, issues of uh, substance abuse and things like that, and, and trying to help lawyers who are in that situation without uh, disciplining them, but really trying to treat it as an illness. That Those are great, and I do want to welcome our guests. Adam, what brought you to being a lawyer? What to incur, What was it about your background or your growing up, or what inspired you to become a lawyer? It was not on my radar at all. Uh, I was 27 years old, working in the corporate world. I had been in it for eight years while I was in college, and decided I wanted to do something else, and went and took the uh, Myers-Briggs personality test, and it told me to go uh, take the LSAT and see what would happen. And that's what I did. Uh, so I knew it was an opportunity to do something else. I hoped that one day I would be able to specialize in something unique that would give me an opportunity. I've been very fortunate. Good people watching out for me. I didn't know anybody in the, in the industry, uh, any of those things. And I've just had wonderful folks present themselves. So 15 years ago, I became general counsel of the Mississippi Bar, and some people call me an ethics expert. Well, all right. Uh, there's a lot of us on microphones today that... That is Adam Kilgore, the general counsel for the Mississippi Bar Association. And we have the deputy, deputy general counsel, Missy Scott. Welcome to, uh, to uh, In Legal Terms. Thank you. Glad to be here. And what, what brought you to being a lawyer? How did that get on your radar? Uh, well, it's probably always been on my radar. I come from a family full of lawyers. Um, in fact, my uncle was, um, I guess, either president of, president-elect or president of the Mississippi Bar as I was finishing undergrad. And so he is someone that I always looked up to and admired. And so um, when I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do as I was finishing up that marketing major, I um, applied to law school and got another three years in Oxford, which was always wonderful. Well, we're so glad that you're with us. I'm Liz Gill, and we've got Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And uh, Professor Gershon, you can't see, but we have three calls already. This is a hot topic. We want to talk today about choosing a lawyer, but let's go ahead and go to the phones. We're going to go to James in Ocean Springs. James, thank you so much for calling into In Legal Terms. Go ahead. 
Well, thank you. Uh, yes, I'm calling. Uh, my son-in-law died down here in Mississippi uh, back on the 1st of September, and there apparently is no will, and he is from Atlanta. So, as you can imagine, we're going through some turmoil. The question I have is, with no will, who sort of takes charge of the estate? There's no, so there's no, the will, so there's no um, executor. Is someone well, appointed by the court? Do you have to go to probate or? There will be a probate process, and this is why really uh, people should have wills because it will actually yeah. make it easier for the family, and they can appoint who will be in charge of uh, handling all the probate matters. That person will be called the executor or personal representative. When there is no will, uh, you go by intestacy. So any property in the place where the person lived, uh, their personal property and real property, they have to go through that probate court. But if they had property elsewhere, real property elsewhere, it has to go through different probate courts courts, and a court will appoint an administrator uh, to... In, in this uh, case, there is, no, there is no real property. Uh, in fact, about the only thing of value is a, a an automobile, which is not purchased. You know, it's more money is owed on it than it is worth, actually. And there's very little property in furniture and clothes. That's about it. Well, so, still... It still has to go through a probate process, and the uh, the legislature, if it's an, if the person's a Georgia native, the le- Georgia legislature will be who dictates how the property is distributed. And so, again, well, I, to from online, I found that his son would be the inheritor, the one son. Well, then that that's probably correct. I mean, I I can't you know go to the specifics because yeah, I don't know the estate. But but the question is, do we have to go to the probate court to get them to pick somebody? to be the uh, personal representative to take care of any debts and so on. You would. Uh, it shouldn't be okay. a tough process, especially if the family is small. But I mean, I, I recommend that you uh, find a lawyer in Georgia to help you with this right. process. Yeah, okay, that's what I want to, I'm trying to advise. I'm here in Mississippi, so the family is up here, so I'm trying to give them advice about what to do. And I'm trying to find out what to do with this car. I've been unable to get any feedback from the uh, the company that holds the title to the car about how to return the car. The, company, the family does not want the car, so we need, we'd like to return it to the dealer here locally, to a dealer and the song dealer here locally. Right, right, right. I can't, I can't give you personal advice, and, and really, uh, it should be fairly simple to work out. But um, again, I recommend people have a will and an estate plan. James, we are so sorry for your loss for your family. That that was one of the things we mentioned at the very beginning of the show. That if you do need a lawyer, it's usually because it's a stressful time. It's a time when um, you're either anxious, <laughs> you're in a hurry, or you're full of great sorrow. It's something that uh, I remind lawyers of, uh, I remind staff of in our office. Uh, people are hurting in some form or fashion, usually uh, in the form of financially, emotionally, physically, uh, if not all of those three. Uh, and and if you you need a lawyer, it's, it's one of the more stressful experiences that you can have. And 
we as humans don't do very well with uncertainty, and it takes a while. All right. Well, James, we are very sorry for your loss and hope that you do have uh, good luck finding an attorney who can help you with the probate and returning that vehicle. We've got another phone call to go to. We're going to go to Ronnie, who's called in from Jefferson County. Ronnie, thank you for being part of In Legal Terms today. Go ahead. Yeah, how you doing? We're, we're well, glad you're know, calling in. I'm calling. I want to know you have a family member, member died in, in, in your you know in your family. What about do you go to find out? Did he did he leave a, a will? Well, that's that's a great question again. I'm sorry if you had a family member die. Uh, one thing, if someone writes a will, I always tell my classes when I teach wills in the states that. You know, this shouldn't be a secret. People should know where the will is. Somebody should be told, you know, if it's in a safe deposit box or if it's in a house, you know, where to find the will. So family members need to communicate that. So, you know, I, and sometimes it's a process. If they had, if, if you know they went to a lawyer, then I would start with that lawyer. Uh, if you know a family member who knew they had a will, but you, you may just have to search. Uh, and, and that's, again, for the listeners out there, if, you, if you've done a will, you want to make sure somebody knows where it is. Yeah. Well, Professor okay. Gerson, if the person is already dead, uh, then do they file the will somewhere? Right. Yeah, well, uh, the person who's dead, then they should file the will in the chancery court of the county where that person resided uh, in Mississippi. So, um, but, you know, that's, again, uh, finding the will is going to be the first step. Do they file the will somewhere? Ronnie, did that did that help you? Chancery Court in the county where that uh, individual resided before they died. Yeah, someone, someone told me that I want to call the buffet to get the facts. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, well, we're that's what we're all about is the facts here. Thank you, Ronnie. It is hard when our lawyers, our guests, can't speak uh, to someone's particular situation, but they do want to give the facts and know the facts. We're listening to in legal terms today. We've got our guests, General Counsel for the Mississippi Bar Association, Adam Kilgore, and Deputy General Counsel, Missy Scott. We have one more call that we're going to get to. Let's go to Chris in Bay St. Louis. Chris, thank you for calling in to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. How y'all doing? Great show this morning. I, I have a little bit of a cold, but um, I guess this is more of a statement than a question, but I... I have been involved with municipal court in my fair city, and it's hard for me to believe when I'm in court that I'm dealing with a code enforcement officer that's paid for by the city, the prosecuting attorney's paid for by the city, and the judge himself is paid for by the city, that a citizen can get a fair shake. Now, on traffic tickets and, and you know, some of those lesser offenses, it's not a big deal. But when you get into property rights issues, it, it becomes a big deal. And it's just, it's, it's, and I, I have retained a lawyer, and, and um, I, don't get upset with me, guys and gals, but I, I refer to lawyers as a necessary evil. Um, but, but I have paid plenty of them, and, and I have friends that are lawyers. But uh, that's pretty much it. If you, if, and I know y'all have been in municipal court. For the listeners who haven't been, you should find out when it is and go sit in there one day and uh, your eyes will be opened. So um, that's it. Good show. I appreciate y'all. Thank you, Chris. And I, I do uh, agree with the go sit and, and watch, especially when you don't have anything at stake. It's It would be an eye-opening uh 
experience, but do speak to the ethics. Well, uh, the system is set up to uh, protect uh, situations where there are conflicts of interest. The Code of Judicial Conduct handles the uh, ethics side related to judges. Um, obviously, lawyers have the Mississippi Rules of Professional Conduct, which are what Missy and I uh, handle uh, investigating and in some instances prosecuting attorneys for violating. You know, we're in a, we're in a stage right now uh, in society where people are questioning things more than ever. And, you know, I, I agree with you, Liz, going and watching and appreciating how our system of justice works, I think in some sense can bring be encouraging. Also see the volume of, of things that are in there. But related to conflicts, there are things in place. Hopefully, if if, if the caller's concern could be managed, uh, you know, by, by the lawyer looking at it and see if there's if there really is any type of conflict. Missy, do you have anything to no, that's he's uh, hired a lawyer, and his uh, lawyer would be probably in the best position to assess the actual situation that's going on in that um, in that particular instance as to whether or not that prosecutor or that judge might have um, a conflict that should be addressed in the courtroom. All right. Well, we are going great guns this morning. We're going to get deeper into our discussion of choosing a lawyer after the break. If you have a question about maybe past dealings with a lawyer or how to select one, we would love for you to be a part of our show 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You could also send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. If you'd like to read about how to choose a lawyer at your leisure, where can you find that information? We'll tell you after the break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Now, not everyone has a chance to listen to our whole show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at in, at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as all, as all our local shows are. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our Mississippi Bar Association has a great resource for you. Their website is ms bar.org then if you hover over for the public you can click on how to select a lawyer because that's our topic for this morning we're talking about how to select a lawyer with our guests from the Mississippi Bar Association Deputy General Counsel Missy Scott and General Counsel Adam Kilgore and we have more calls we have three more calls that we've uh, got coming in but you are also welcome to call our number is one 877-672-7464. But first, we're going to go to Ricky, who's calling in from Macomb. Ricky, thanks so much for being a part of In Legal Terms today. Go ahead. Yeah, I had, I had it confused. I was thinking that I could call, that I could get information regarding a, uh, 
a lawyer that can help me seek a seek a claim that that in, in the area that I'm in. But I guess this is how to choose a lawyer, correct? That is. Uh, what if if we if may ask? What kind of claim are you looking to seek? It's a it's a civil. I guess it's a civil matter or or a mediator or aberration. I don't I don't exactly know. I sent it, I sent the information to the uh, attorney general office regarding a, a purchase a consumer. I was purchasing a vehicle at Cars Four in Macomb, and uh, and they took the down payment. I tried to go get a. Uh, uh, a loan. They said they couldn't do nothing. They couldn't get a loan. They would not finance a loan for the fact that the vehicle uh, was how old it was and how many miles it had on it. They let me keep the vehicle. I explained that to them. They said they can get somebody to do the uh, get a loan. They'll get the, the car dealership uh, salesperson. He can get somebody to do the loan or they'll do in-house finance. Three months passed by. They never got nobody to do the loan. They requested the vehicle back. The vehicle was under the blue book for twelve thousand and some change, but uh, it was the gas tank had been on fire. I was getting the vehicle for uh, to build credit, my credit history at the time. Well, Ricky, I'm sorry we can't uh, help you find a lawyer, but uh, Missy, if someone were looking for a lawyer to help them with uh, a purchase gone wrong to recover some money, what are some things they should look for? Um, so your best option to help find a lawyer is going to be word of mouth. Talk to um, folks you know, um, folks you work with, folks you go to church with, um, your neighbors, um, get recommendations of someone that they may have used in the past. And then, you know, have a phone conference or go in and meet with that lawyer and talk to him about your situation. And um, you're looking for somebody who's generally knowledgeable about the sort of claim you want to bring and that um, that you have a good rapport with. Um, and things like that. Adam, that first meeting after you give them a call and you come visit, is there usually a charge for that meeting to find out if they will or won't take your uh, uh, my case? Favorite, my favorite answer in law school was it depends. <laughs> uh, and it does depend on, on the individual. Uh, most of the time, there's not going to be one. And it, it tend, you know, each lawyer has their own approach to it. I know some people, it, you know, if we're just going to visit for 30 minutes, I'm not going to charge you. If we start creeping past that and it's and it's going to be some more time to it, then there may be a fee just for the consultation. Um, you know, and this is where I encourage the public, if you are going to see an attorney, try to get all your documentation together, copies of documents so that you maintain your originals. Um, because there that, will be a copy fee. Well, well not only that, if, if things don't go right, you may have a difficult time getting your, you know, if you decide to terminate the lawyer, we see time, times where people can't get their originals back and they're hampered on what they're pursuing later. Uh, and also, I also suggest to friends, because I get this call a decent amount, uh, make sure you do some type of timeline. I bought the this vehicle on this date, this ha- I financed it. I, you know, these things happen, and just make it as simple as possible for the lawyer so that they can assess your situation. And, and just one more thing: the thing that's frustrating for folks, you can have something where you've you've been harmed, but the lawyer's got to make a choice on whether it's something that's worth them pursuing, the time involved, and the fee involved. So people do have these in betweens where. 
yes, that was wrong what happened to you. No, it doesn't make financial sense for me to pursue it. And so people will go to multiple lawyers and like nobody will take my case. And they're evaluating it just like you know, we, we call ourselves a profession and we take that part seriously. But there is a business component. So that that gets people frustrated. All right, Ricky, I hope that helps you in making a choice for your attorney. Let's go next to Roger, who's calling in from Florence. Thanks for calling in today, Roger. Uh, we're to in legal terms. Go ahead. Well, thank you again for doing what you're doing. I appreciate both of you. Adam, I've known Adam a long time, and it's such a hard job, and you've got a wonderful assistant. I have a comment that, has, that really goes back to some of the earlier calls about I think the topic, in my opinion, is ethics. And I think that the problem, which will take another generation to change, at least a generation, is in the law schools where ethics is not taught. They have the course in ethics, but it is not taught. It is not understood, and it is not learned. And I know this from decades of practice, uh, on and off, both sides of the bench as a judge and as a as a lecturer, I have I did a lot of lectures on ethics and in practice, and I was amazed at the rolling of eyes that I would see and, and the comments I'd hear when I would illustrate directly out of our code of professional ethics things that are binding on attorneys practicing in Mississippi and I suspect in all states. The reason why the one reason why the public distrusts lawyers is that the lawyers don't know and understand ethics, in my opinion, and it's the fault is at the law schools. The example I'd like to make for your for your listeners, you you folks know this, of course, but the listeners don't realize that it is in print. It is it is a principle. There are others, of course, but here's one that really astounds lawyers. Look at me with big eyes if I say this in a lecture. If in a trial, this is not TV law, this Mississippi ethics, if in a trial one lawyer for one side fails to tell the judge in an argument or, or as a principle about a case which is against the other side, that is a precedent which is in his client's favor and against the side, Guess what the other side's lawyer is ethically responsible for doing? It is to tell the judge and cite that case. Well, that's astounding to some lawyers. Well, there are ways to do it, but the other side is obligated to tell the judge. Judge, I learned a counsel has failed to tell you that there's a case that sounds like it's on all fours with his client. And I'm obligated ethically to remind the court of that. But here's why it's different in my case. So you can do that. That just surprises me. The reason it surprises lawyers is they're not well enough educated. I could give other examples, but I hope you'll comment on the educational process, and then y'all do what you can about it. Thank you, Roger. 
Well, Roger, if I can comment, since I do teach the ethics class at Ole Miss, and we, we do actually teach that very specific thing, that you have to report uh, information that the other side may not have uh, presented, that you, your duty is truthfulness to the tribunal, and uh, we spend a lot of time on that. Uh, but one of the things I say to my students is I would say 99% of them would be ethical even if they didn't take the course. And so you're probably focused on the 1% or 2% maybe who, even though they've had the course and they've learned the information, may uh, not understand. I mean, if you, you should understand you shouldn't take money from your client and your client's trust fund, but it does happen. Because in every profession there are, are people who are bad actors and who, who ignore the rules and try to cut, take shortcuts. But I would say the students that I teach and, the, and the, the ones I've dealt with, the ones who've taken the multi-state professional responsibility exam, which they all have to take to be members of, of pretty much every bar in the in the country um, are ethical to start with and then uh, do want to follow the rules and then you probably dealt with unfortunately the ones who, who don't and, and that's something very hard for law schools to, to actually uh, fix. And I appreciate uh, the caller's comments. Uh, I know Roger has a passion uh, for the work that we do, and I, and I do appreciate uh, the uh, compliment that he gave. I, I don't necessarily agree, which may be surprising. We see the worst of the profession by virtue of the complaints we receive. Uh, and there's some bad actors that, that are out there, and, and those things can take time, and we prosecute those. But we also see another side to it, all generations of lawyers that are coming through, people calling or office, we may get 25 ethics phone calls in a week's time, plus emails and some other things where people are taking the time to try to do the right thing. And, and each, oftentimes, ethics matters are, each situation is different, and it requires some attention to detail. Uh, you know, I know we, uh, the bar, and this is not a defensive statement, it's just a matter of fact statement, we spend a lot of time reaching out to the law schools, visiting with lawyers on the front end uh, of their career, and going forward. Forward and, and Missy can tell specifically about a program uh, that, that we do on the first few days of law school at both law schools. That's right. As part of the orientation, both at the Ole Miss Law School and at the Mississippi College Law School, um, there is what's called the Duke's Professionalism Program, and we meet in small groups. We have lawyers from around the state who come in and meet with small groups of you know eight to ten law students, and we go through some real-world problems, some things that might come up in practice for you one day and kind of talk through how you handle those things. And this is before they've ever had an ethics class. This is kind of just a, what does your gut tell you to do here? How to handle um, this particular situation? How to treat people um, professionally and things like that? And um, having just participated in these uh, last month, um, I'm always very encouraged when I walk out of there about the students that I've just met with. Um, beyond that, because that's, you know, that's before classes start. Adam and I both regularly speak to law students um, as part of their class later throughout the throughout their three years. Um, I know Adam has spoken to a number of classes. There's a pretrial practice class that I go to regularly. I used to teach um, as an adjunct legal writing, um, and I find that those professors are working ethics into their curriculum as part of this is in pretrial practice, for example, you're preparing these documents, you're communicating with your client and what your various obligations are along each step in the process. Um, specifically uh, to the point about disclosing authorities that Roger mentioned. That's one of the things that I went over with students in legal writing. They have a closed universe. Like, these are all the cases that you can use. Some of them are good for you. Some of them are bad for you. 
and you are in a much better position if you get those that are bad for you out to begin with and explain why they're different. And, and Missy, uh, the Dukes Professionalism Program, who's that Who's that named after? That's named for uh, Jimmy Dukes, who was president of the bar and developed this program and also is my uncle. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we are talking with representatives from the Mississippi Bar Association about how to choose a lawyer. We'd love for you to give us a call. We've been going through so many phone calls. This is fantastic. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 672-7464. You could also send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We have just scratched the surface on choosing a lawyer, so we've got a lot of information when we come back. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert, and we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. Podcast is just the brand new word for on demand. There are many different podcasting platforms. You can just select one from your the Google Play Store, download it to your phone. You touch the plus or something to search for the name of the show you want to listen to. I type in In Legal Terms, and then it brings up our show because we're the only In Legal Terms. And you touch the photo, and then if you choose to, you can subscribe. You can be notified when any there's any new episodes are loaded up. This morning, we're talking about choosing a lawyer with our guests from the Mississippi Bar Association, Deputy General Counsel Missy Scott, and General Counsel Adam Kilgore. And we have, our lines are full. So we're going to go to Marianne, who is calling in from Brandon. Marianne, we appreciate you being part of our show today. Go ahead. Thank you for hosting, Nan. And um, this is very timely for me. My husband and I attended a seminar put up by an elder attorney last week. And what we took from that is the living trust is the better way to leave your uh, assets to your heirs rather than a will. Uh, And I don't know, you know, right now the living trust, looking at the cost of that is exceptionally more than a will would be. And I would like y'all's opinion, which is the better document to use to to leave to your heirs? Professor Gershon? Well, I think that's a, it's an important question, but it's one that is dependent on each person. So when we do estate planning, we're tailor-making an estate plan for that particular person, their situation. So for many people, the living will is the better option. It gives you some flexibility that, that a will wouldn't. Uh, it avoids probate costs, but it costs more up front. On the other hand, there are people for whom a will would be the better option. So I think that's something you need to sit down individually with your attorney and assess your own situation. Because there are some upfront costs with uh, setting up a trust that would not be uh, there with a will. Right, right. 
Okay. I appreciate that. No, thank you very much. Marianne, we're so glad that that seminar was helpful to you. We've had a number of attorneys who have come on in little terms who've talked about wills and trusts. You can find those on our podcasts. We also had someone speak from the North Mississippi Lawyer Volunteer Law Clinic and the especially the Elder Law uh, division that they have there. In fact, I just sent someone that information on how they could listen to that show just that this last week they contacted MPB. Let's now go to Jerry, who's calling in from Ashland. Jerry, thank you so much for being a part of In Legal Terms today. Go ahead. Well, thank you, ma'am. I, I just want you all to know I support Mississippi Public, Public Broadcasting every month, and I hope all your uh, readers, our listeners, do also. Um, it's an interesting conversation. Uh, a bunch of lawyers sit around talking about how good lawyers are. Uh, that's not really been my experience. I would think that's probably not most citizens' experience. I, I, and I don't really think word of mouth is a good way to find a lawyer. But not many citizens have an awful lot of interface with lawyers. Uh, I would really hope that, I, I haven't ever found one, that there's a place online to rate lawyers like there's a place online to rate cars and to rate products, give them five stars, four stars, ten stars, whatever, because I've had some really negative uh, uh, dealings with lawyers. I've had lawyers call me up out of the blue to ask me what I wanted them to do. I tell them what to do. It wouldn't get done. I have to call them up again. And guess what? Every time you talk to a lawyer, the clock is running. Uh, and, and to me, I mean, it seems to be that there are some good folks out there. I got a good friend I went to high school and college with. He's a lawyer. He's family practice. And it works out well. But most of them just want to run the clock, run up the bills, and, 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 and they say nothing but good things about each other. And there's always just that one or two out there that's the bad if you listen to any group of lawyers talk. But that's not really been my experience. And, and I'm sorry that's the way I feel, but... I truly wish there was a way for citizens to rate lawyers and to write down their experiences and have other people look at them and not worry about some lawyer suing them for defamation or liable. Well, Jerry, we do appreciate you you calling in and and telling us your experience. Adam, what what do you have to say? You know, I, I don't have any comments about any public ratings that are out there. I'll tell you the ratings that matter, and that is related to uh, bar complaints and the rules of professional conduct. Um, and our charge is to protect the public. I, I don't want the caller to misunderstand that we think everything's rosy. We have an office that deals with approximately 500 bar complaints a year. Uh, people are alleging ethics violations um, and we find proof of ethics violations and our committee does something about it. Uh, uh, we take that role very seriously. Uh, that comes in various forms at the committee level. Uh, if the Committee on Professional Responsibility finds an ethics violation and the Discipline that has been earned is so severe that they can't, that they need it to go to trial. Then we file a formal complaint with the Supreme Court at their direction. Uh, Missy is in charge of litigation in our office, and I'll let her just speak a little bit about some of the serious things we see and, and we've been able to successfully protect the public on. That's right. So um, I will give you just some uh, examples of. of of things that I have tried recently before a complaint tribunal. We've had um, situations where uh, we've 
had a lawyer who has stolen money from a client. Those are prosecuted before a complaint tribunal and um, generally result in a suspension or a disbarment um, when when money has been taken. Other things that is uh, kind of a serial neglect situation where you have an attorney who has accepted representation of a client, taken on that matter, accepted some portion of a fee, and then doesn't do anything on the client's case and has done this over and over again. Um, Those are the kind of cases that we would take to trial before a complaint tribunal, and that attorney would likely be suspended. Um, Those are... um, just a couple of examples of, of things that we see as, as um, causing serious harm to the public and that we pursue very seriously. And the other challenge we've got is we're in the proof business. Um, if it's a he said, she said, um, that's not going to go very far. We have a legal standard. This is, this is what we've all agreed to uh, in our society, that there has to be proof. So we have to have a pr- proof of an ethics violation, not a sense, yeah, that probably happened. It's it's got to hit a certain standard. So, uh, you know, we do our we do our work. We're diligent about it. Um, we do celebrate the good side of things. There's times where we've celebrated that someone's no longer practicing because we felt like they were a scourge on the profession and they were harming people. So, one side of us is very approachable, accessible. We want to help lawyers on the front end so they don't make him so they make informed decisions, don't make mistakes. On the other side is a hammer, and and we use them both, and I believe we, we do effectively, and, and I think we're helping lawyers and the public along the way. And Adam and Missy, would you talk a little bit about all the service that lawyers do for no compensation, the pro bono service, because that, I think, also addresses the question that we're just trying to run the clock. Well, you know, lawyers are obligated to uh, uh, report, uh, you know, how many pro bono hours they've done in a year. Um, and we see some wonderful examples of time uh, being spent on an individual basis. Uh, you know, the, the donations that take place in that setting are, are, are often significant. Um, and, it, and it's complicated um, uh, work at times that they undertake. Uh, I think some of the challenge for that, of course, is there's, there's a lot more need than there is bandwidth available for lawyers to do work. And so that that's, uh, there's only so far. I'd, we, we get phone calls to, our, uh, to the Mississippi Bar where people are asking for a lawyer and a referral and is there someone that's pro bono and we don't want to mislead them. There's not an automatic thing, but there are f- programs in place if you meet the certain you know federal standards for to be able to get assistance. There is a way to get assistance, but that's only on certain types of cases. All right. Well, we have uh, still three calls. Uh, Joseph and Darlene, let's go to Vernon, who's calling in from Diamond Head. Vernon, we appreciate you being part of In Legal Terms today. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a problem with uh, a bank who has misled me on a $6,000 what they call a loan and I did not sign up for this loan they uh, initially told me that the loan was going to be uh, for uh, Vernon are you wondering how you can select a lawyer to help you with this yes I am 
Okay. Um, Adam, what what could an individual do if they have a problem with a, a bank and a loan? Uh, M- Missy mentioned earlier the, the word of mouth, and that is frustrating because if you don't know a lot of people, it's hard to find that. Um, uh, we, were, we were prepping for the show today and visiting yesterday, and I said, well, I, you know, I tell people to go check out the Yellow Pages, and Missy's response was, does that even exist anymore? Uh, you know, online, doing some kind of search, almost everyone has a smartphone, uh, trying to locate someone in your area. Uh, you know, there's no really areas of expertise, but people do advertise the type of cases they tend to do. Sometimes you got to, you know, just make a few phone calls and, and see if, 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 you know, if someone can help. Well, I, I mean, I am actually from New Orleans, and I had my own business for 35 years, and I had a lawyer who handled my business functions for for many, many years, and I contacted him, and he said, well, I will try to find someone who has an expertise has been looking for me, but he's a lawyer in New Orleans, and he's not doing me any good now that I live in Mississippi, and the the problems incurred in, actually they incurred in, um, in, in Alabama. Okay, so so what what are the challenge you've got here, sir? I'm sorry if I interrupted. What part of the challenge you've got is, and, and we feel like we've got this. You know, there's a perception out there. There's this network. Everybody knows everybody. Well, most of the time, people know each other in in the individual jurisdiction or in the individual state. So I'll I'll have a friend call me and go, Hey, I've got this going on in Maryland. You got anybody that you know up there? I'm like, Yeah, I know one lawyer up there, and I may well call the lawyer and say, Hey, you know anybody that does this or that? Um, you're not getting very far. You know, there is, there's lawyer advertising. There's things on the internet. It, it is, you know, the, the caller's challenge here is they've got someone they've been working with for a long time, and they have trust. They have institutional knowledge from the years of conducting business together. They understand how each other works, and it's frustrating to start over. But at the end of the day, you're just going to have to look the old-fashioned way and and hope you come across when bar associations don't tend to make referrals. All right. Well, Vernon, uh, we wish you the best of luck in in seeking out kind of like speed dating or something, maybe trying to find a lawyer. We need to take our last break of the show. Darlene and Joseph, we promise we'll get to you when we come back. We're speaking with Adam Kilgore and Missy Scott from the Mississippi Bar Association. We're talking about choosing a lawyer. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. 
thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms today. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show. Inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app and as a podcast on demand. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And we've got Missy Scott and Adam Kilgore from the Mississippi Bar Association. We've been taking your phone calls. We've been talking about choosing a lawyer, which I sort of think of as speed dating. But uh, under under pressure, uh, the more I think about it, how, how hard it is to be in an emotional point in your life when you need a lawyer and then you've got the phone book or you've got Google. And, and you're scared. I mean, there's just no other way around it. It's some variation of that fear in, in finding a way to stay grounded and look at things as objectively as possible when they are so personal to you uh, and can have long-term effects uh, is the challenge. And most people struggle with that. So the lawyer's role, you know, you make that choice after, after that's taken place, then your job as a client, ask questions, bring up things that you think might be relevant so they can do their best job of representing you. It's like going to see the doctor. I tell my friends, tell the doctor the truth. Uh, tell your lawyer what's going on so they can evaluate it and make a, a good decision and then do your best to try to get out of the way. Where the problem starts to come in is if a lawyer is overwhelmed with cases or maybe is not being as diligent as they should, then that trust starts to erode. And I feel like you're charging me for every phone call I make or you're doing that. You know, there's a variety of things in then, you know, a lot of times that's just fear about the underlying case and what's going to happen with my DUI six months from now. You know, those kind of things can present themselves. So let the lawyer do the work. Don't automatically trust if you're not hearing from them, and you should be. Get back in touch with them. If you're calling them every day and nothing's set to happen for six months from now, you might be wearing your lawyer out and and running a fee up unnecessarily. Uh, I think also, I think we see it in divorce sometimes, people are litigating their feelings instead of what is this about what needs to happen next I'm going to use this process as payback I think that's a bad place to be and I think our divorce attorneys try to manage that as best they can but again people are driven in, in, uh, by different things but if you can calm your mind to the extent possible even though you're scared let the lawyer do the work give them what they need and try to get out of the way I think you're in a better position alright let's go to Joseph in Gulfport Joseph thank Thank you so much for holding. We're glad you're a part of In Legal Terms today. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I want to ask uh, uh, a question. Uh, I I had uh, a ticket, uh, well, actually a couple of tickets while out Walmart, and and uh, I was in the parking lot. Was not on the not on the road at all, and it was for not having driver license and proof of uh, insurance. Now, how do I find a lawyer to help me on that? Because I mean, I was I wasn't even in inside my my vehicle you know and and so i went and that was way back in in the, the beginning of uh, 2018 and so today i was in court today and uh and uh it was set for a um a um a cir- uh, uh, what is it called circuit court because i asked for a jury trial so what what can i do 
Well, if it's going to go that route, I do recommend, I'm sorry to say, it's the very thing you're bringing up, which is finding an attorney. The, the challenge you've got, uh, depending on what other matters you have in, 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 in your history that may be feeding some of these things, you know, maybe tr- other traffic citations, for example, could, could, could come into play. What, what part of the challenge you've got is, you know, do you, you know, let's take it backwards a step. If, you know, do you pay the fine, you know, which all Mississippi drivers, I believe, for two years now are required to have their insurance card on them. It's not just a matter of, well, I just don't have it with me and I'll show it later. I think the fine happens now. That's what, I, what I've understood to be true. And I understand there's some unique circumstances on what you've described there. Uh, but you have to make a decision. Do I want to go ahead and pay the fine and, and let the cost fall there? Or do I you know, feel like I've been done wrong, this is unfair, go the process the callers talked about, which is sounds like has appealed it to, to circuit court. And you can represent yourself in this country. Usually not a good idea. Um, uh, but you know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna spend it either way is is the the when it gets down to it and I think that's that's the rub there and makes it difficult to to decide what to do next. So how would you I mean do you give the same advice to Joseph ask your friends Yeah you know I, I would contact it, it should be easier to to find a, a, someone who does criminal law um, and this would this would be a criminal lawyer uh, uh, that would that would step in and represent on something like this so um, I would think that would be easier to find than if you're trying to find a tax attorney or someone who does copyright type of work I mean they they are in virtually every uh, uh, city. Joseph, did that give you any uh, stepping points, stepping uh, stones? Well, well, the, the biggest thing is that I was just in the parking lot. I wasn't even on the on the road, you know. Well, and I guess the that's what I the said. day in the day in court is. I I, I can't uh, absolve you of that, and neither can Adam or or I Missy. I realize uh, that. But, uh, you know, as we said before, when you do need a lawyer, a lot of times it, you're, you're passionate or you're sad. There are quite a number of emotions. We need to get to Darlene. Darlene, thank you so much for holding. Uh, we only have one minute. Yes, ma'am. I wanted to ask a question about my job. Um, I came home and they gave me a hard time getting my short-term disability. And then uh, they changed my profile and said I came home in January when I came home in February. All right, Darlene. So, what, so would that be an employment lawyer that Darlene would need to find? It would. Um, Darlene, you're going to want to look for someone who handles employment issues when you're looking for a lawyer. All right. Thank you so much, Adam and Missy, for being on our show today. We just couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> so that's going to wrap us up for in legal terms today. We thank all of our uh, participants who have helped us. This is In Legal Terms. Up next is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 